watching this people watching secret santa are you gifted people watching people watching secret cameras they keep the distance when you tried did it make the difference we've been so dramatic people watching they're like why you laughing i'm like why you trying they're like stop asking i let a whole lot pass me when you tried was it everlasting was it ever answered the last thing that you ever asked me DJ Toasty Z, hip hop made me do it. You already know what the fuck it is. And if you don't, now you do. That was People Watching by the one and only Sen Morimoto. One of the best artists to come out of Chicago. Had to start off the show right. Just picked. Did I say he came out of Chicago? I meant to say the best, one of the best artists to come out of Western Massachusetts ever. From currently residing in Chicago. You know I had to cop his record. Came out. That nice vinyl. Look at that nice. That nice baby blue. Not even baby blue. That nice light clear blue vinyl. You already know what it is. Had to support the homie. latest record put out by 88 rising so he's doing big things he's performing out in japan and i figured that was a fitting way to start off the show as i just got this in the mail a little while ago put i'll put the records back here for display i know i got a lot of a lot of feedback after the last solo podcast people were giving me shit about uh the background with the uh bed in the corner and the disheveled uh, blinds. As you can see, I've taken them down because they were broken. Um, I have to replace them soon. But uh, it's not a top priority right now. So, as you can see, I set up this nice background for you guys to enjoy with the records on display. I don't know if you can see. Maybe drop in the comments if you know the records in the background. I figure that was a better thing to look at some old clothes and broken broken uh, blinds and such as always you can check us out on YouTube and SoundCloud at Hip Hop Maybe Do It on that and on Facebook as well at Hip Hop Maybe Do It soon we'll be on all streaming platforms that's actually my next top priority and then you can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Hip Hop Maybe Do underscore we actually have those Hip Hop Maybe Do It shirts. They're currently in a box in the closet, so I'll, I'm not going to pull them out. Mm, maybe I should. We got the pink. America Runs on Hip Hop. And, of course, we also have the whites. So, like I said, we don't... We won't have sponsors for quite a while, so if you want to support the show, that is currently the best way you can support the show, and if you like those tees, um, we're running low on a couple different sizes. Let's see what sizes I still have. Yeah, so I only have, in the whites, we're out of larges. We've got plenty of mediums and a couple smalls and extra large left. I said extra large, lard, I meant extra large Got to enunciate those words. And also with the pinks, where you only have mediums and larges. And we are running low on both of those. So um, best get those pinks while you can. We have no smalls or extra larges left. So um, I don't know if I'm going to do a second run of these. It really depends on what the demand is. Um, so we will see. But uh, this might be your last. If we run out, this might be your last chance. I want to keep things exclusive and rare, but... Unless people want to buy a ton. <laughs> Unless there's a high demand and I can make more money. But, um, no, yeah, so those <laughs> so those shirts are going to be um, $20 free shipping. If you reach out on Instagram or Twitter, at hiphopmaybedo underscore, just shoot us a DM. We'll get those to you, free shipping. And, uh, yeah, while, while you're out there, while you're at it, you might as well hit us with a follow on those. So, enough shameless plugs. Couple quick hip hop me do it updates. Delivery boy, I'm tripping all over my words tonight. It's hot. I can't put the fan on because it'll make way too much noise. So I've been prepping all day for this. 
you know, I had to come correct for you guys. Um, so Delivery Boys interview is on the Hip Hop Maybe Do It channel, on the YouTube channel and on SoundCloud. Um, we did an update interview when I went out to Brooklyn. So uh, we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about their latest collab with Smoke Dizza, um, the Pissed Off remix. They end up dropping um, Riff Raff from that remix for obvious reasons. The controversy, the rape allegations he has against him. And um, yeah, they talked about what to expect from the remix and just a reasonable clout. The Lost Boy Max album dropped and that was actually the release party that I went to that I met them at. And uh, I, titled, I titled it Delivery Boys Update Gone Wrong. I, kind of ironically, but also not I, ironically because uh, it did go a little awry. It was kind of a mess, but a beautiful mess. I like to think of it. That's how I like to think of hip hop when I do it, and how I like to think of uh, myself in general. It's just, I might be a mess, but hopefully it's a beautiful and entertaining mess. Um, so there's that Dami Divine interview. Still waiting on putting that out. Like I said, I need the second half of the footage, and every time Dami tries to send that to me, there's some sort of issue. So we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. It's going to come out soon. Don't you worry. Like I said, I'd rather it come out right than rush it out and have it not look as pristine because this is a very important interview. And I think it went really well. So I'm really excited to bring it to you guys. So expect that soon. But uh, I'm not going to say a date because every time I say a date, I keep having to change it. And I'd rather not, you know, have to go back on my word. As a practice, I try to under-promise and over-deliver. So, another quick update. I will actually, I'm currently in Providence, as a lot of you may know, but I'm currently going, I'm actually going to be moving back to New Jersey within this pat next week. Just uh, figuring out the next step in life. And uh, for a while, at least, hip hop, maybe do it, will be based out of New Jersey, which will be cool. Actually, I'll have a place to set up like a nice studio, like more permanent studio. And, uh, I've have some Jersey artists in mind that I'm planning to reach out to and hopefully set up some interviews soon. So hopefully hip hop maybe do it will have very few delays, if any. Um, and yeah, of course I'll be doing a lot more stuff in New York. You know, normally I go back once a month and try and make it into New York every time I go, but I plan to be in New York a lot more and, uh, you know, I'll still be supporting and and uh, promoting Massachusetts, New England artists. So keep sending me stuff, and I'll keep going to events that I can go to. But for now, I'll be based in New Jersey. Um, we have some people that wanted to work with Hip Hop May Do It based in New England. So hopefully I'll, I'll talk with them, and we'll be able to you know keep the coverage up in, in uh, Massachusetts and New England. Um, I also plan to head out to LA relatively soon. I need to get my bread up. Once I get my bread up, I'm going to make another trip to LA. It's crazy. It's been six months. It doesn't feel like it's been six months. I think it'll be six months in September. So that seems a good time as any to do it. I know Dombey's going to be throwing his first, first real LA show in September. He told me, which I would love to be out there for. Um, the first one didn't really count because police came very early i was there and um adam from him on everything was djing and then the police came and it was shut down so <laughs> uh, it was actually kind of funny but yeah so i'm looking forward to that and um if there's any artists you know that are based at la or in the la area and you think i should interview them or you want to hear know more about them you want me to link up with them let me know and i will make a point to do that so you already know just hit the dms that's the best way to reach me is hit the DMs. I'll also check email, but DMs are, are the prime spot where I'm checking regularly. Okay, now on to the topics that we like to discuss. It's funny, going into a solo podcast, I'm normally like, what do I want to talk to talk about? Because I don't really pay attention to the minutia of the everyday hip-hop news, because most of it's just rumors or boring stuff or like headlines that it's like all right there's no real take on this people are just reporting on it 
So I just went searching all the hip-hop news that's happened since the last podcast and uh, picked out some things that I thought would be interesting. And um, that kind of developed as I looked into different podcasts and, and so on. The first thing I want to talk to talk about is Kanye-related. Um, so, like I said, I was searching just complex, looking for stories, and as you can expect, I was like... There, there was like three Kanye-related headlines on Complex. So one of them was that he was trying to do 52 records in 52 weeks. So I was reading this. This was about John Caramonica, who's a writer for the New York Times, actually did like a profile on him. He spent three days with him when he was actually recording Kinsey Ghost. Um, I think that's the, na- that's the name of the Cuddy album, right? The Cuddy, yeah, Kanye. I know it was the name of one of the songs, at least. So, um, And... They talked on a podcast about that whole experience of the profile and just talked about the albums as well. And um, there were some very interesting insights and things that I thought would be interesting to talk about in relation to that. Less, you know, it was kind of like I went down the rabbit hole of the podcast and I was like, all right, well, this is actually more interesting to talk about. Um, but yeah, that he was saying that he wanted to do 52 records in 52 weeks, but like that's mostly Kanye talking as Kanye does uh, I wouldn't hold it to him hold him to it that was more of a oh it'd be cool to do but like with with the Yeezys and all this like <laughs> I one of the things they postulated it was the five albums in five weeks was a, a way for him to be like alright for five weeks I'm just focusing on making music and not doing anything else uh, so I think that's he kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Segmented his his brain or segmented his uh, workflow. And now I'd be surprised if he continued making it, work on music at length. But um, I, I did think reflecting that, you know, the five albums have been out for a decent amount of time now. And it'd be interesting to reflect on the five albums in general. Um, one of the points that they made in the uh, podcast, it's called the Popcast. If you're interested, I just, you know, you can find it wherever podcasts are. So it's like, I think it's a New York Times, or I don't, I don't think it's a New York Times-based podcast, but Jen Caramonica was like a guest on it. I don't think he's the main host. Um, so that was a pretty interesting podcast. You should check that out. They did one on Kanye. They did, there's one on Drake I was meaning to listen to, but I didn't get a chance. So... One of the points that they brought up was that the kind of short, you know, seven song, five albums are kind of shorter albums are like made for streaming and not only in the format, you know, you have artists that are putting out these longer albums, you know, Migos, Drake, these long albums, Ray Schremer to kind of milk, milk the streaming. But um, shorter albums might also be a strategy for streaming. You know, if you have a 20-minute album and you want people to, you know, listen to it on repeat, that might be a way to get a ton more streams. So I think albums in general might end up going to the extremes. We'll have to see. Uh, You know, you're going to have much shorter albums and then much longer albums. is something I think might happen. We'll see. But not only in the format, but also in the delivery system. You know, when you're... Streaming allows for instantaneous music to be put out and monetized right away. Um, you know, you can make an album, like I said, in a week, which is like seems what they did with a lot of these, you know, five albums. Put it out to the world instantaneously, um, and make money on it right away. So it's almost like a monetized mixtape, if you will. It reminds me of those Dat Piff era days where. Wayne was just churning out mixtapes and he could do it something in a weekend and put it out or something in a week and put it out. And um, it's interesting how the delivery system of streaming makes it like so easy to instantaneously put out a project and make money off of it. Uh, as opposed to a mixtape, you just put it out there and you're not, you're not necessarily making any money off it unless it's like an exclusive and you're a big artist. But it's very interesting how... I mean, unless you're Nas, who can't figure out. There was a bunch of memes about it took him a while to upload the album to Spotify and all that. So there was a bunch of memes about Nas being too old and can't figure out how to upload the album. I also want to talk about, like, Ye in general. I think that 
a lot of critics I feel like were didn't get, give Ye great ratings and I think they were a little overcritical of Ye based on what happened with uh, you know the, the outside controversy surrounding it with uh, Kanye coming out in support of Trump and making these comments about slavery being a choice. Um, now, obviously, <laughs> which are hard to defend, obviously, I'm not going to defend those comments, but um, albums obviously can't be viewed with without context. I think it's funny when people are like, oh, just review the music without the context, but the context of an album coming out is important in understanding the album inherently. Um, so it can't just be overlooked, but I would just, I would just say that Kanye stirring up controversy is nothing new to an album release. He's been doing this with every album he's dropped. Um, and I wouldn't say it makes the music inherently bad. Uh, now I think it just comes back to the, like, it's, to me, it's like an issue of celebrity worshiping when we put there's certain people that put Kanye on a pedestal and want him to be all these different things. When in reality, he's just an artist that makes music. And, uh, it gets to this weird, like celebrity worship and, you know, all humans are flawed and Kanye has showed in year after year that, that he does the same shit. Every album he stirs the pot. He, he causes controversy. He says something outlandish. He does something outlandish. So it, it's just, it was so weird to people. It's like, I'm not looking f- to Kanye for political beliefs. Now, if you are, you're welcome to not listen to an album, boycott an album based on what Kanye says, but that doesn't affect the actual music. Um, I think it's obvious that Trump's support of Trump, they say Trump's support of Trump, I meant Kanye's support of Trump. Is is all in? They use the they use this uh, in the podcast. They said it, it's all in vibe, not in policy. And I thought that was interesting because he talks about dragon energy. Kanye, I think, sees himself a lot of himself in Trump, which, if you really think about it, Kanye and Trump are very similar in their demeanor, in how they approach things, in how they view themselves. So it makes sense to me. I don't think that Kanye is. Support. He talks about like Trump being an underdog and proving everyone wrong, going against the odds, which is a way that Kanye views himself to an extent. It is true. I mean, he's obviously reached a certain point in his career where it's tough for him to feel that way and be so successful. I would think that I'm sure those are like two very conflicting ideas in his head. But, um, yeah, it's just like to be honest. Like I said, I'm not looking for to Kanye for political opinions. And honestly, I think if you are, you're pretty dumb. Now, you can disavow someone because of political opinions. But if the music's good, the music's good. Um, and like I said, his love of Trump is more in a vibe than in, in an actual policy. And to be honest... There are a lot of people that disagree with Trump on policy or other politicians, not even Trump, say Obama, you know, on policy or either love or hate Trump or love or hate Obama based on policy. But a lot of them, if you ask them, the first thing they're going to say is, is based on vibe. I think most people, and I could even say this, you know, personally, on a vibe, I fucked with Obama. Just, he had a vibe of like, I'm proud this guy's my president. Well-spoken, good guy. You know, I I felt like I could trust this guy. But it's like, do I really agree with how over the top he was as far as, you know, his use of, uh, I was going to say nuclear strikes, uh, drone strikes and his overall ramped up militarization? I can't say I actually do. I mean, that's one way I say that policy-wise, I don't agree with him. But, um, I mean, I think a lot of times when people are talking about Trump, there are policies that Trump has done that are definitely are enacted, definitely problematic. But I think a lot of people are just as uninformed as Kanye and are basing off a of vibe, which is like, 
I don't know. It's like I wouldn't hold Kanye to a different standard than I hold other people. I, because I view him as a normal person that just makes music and shouldn't be put on this pedestal um, as a political figure or someone that, that should be looked towards for political opinions. Um, like I said, it goes back to the danger of the whole Kanye worship. So um, now the music itself isn't without flaws, um, but I would say it's the most personal Kanye that we've ever had. Um, and, and I have this theory or just like, I have this feeling that Ye is kind of Kanye talking aloud, thinking aloud. He had mentioned that when, you know, Charlemagne had mentioned he heard Ye originally. And when he went to the listening party or the album was out, when he listened to it, it was a totally different album. And yet Kanye had said that he like scrapped what he was working on and redid the whole album. So... To me, that says, okay, so he basically, as far as lyrical content, it was all rewritten. Um, so most of those were his thoughts within a week, week period. Even with the first track, you have this whole back and forth where he's just like speaking aloud and then contradicting himself and changing his thoughts. And like, it was a similar to what he was doing with his Twitter, Twitter rant is he's just like thinking aloud and you kind of get his inner thoughts and you know he touched on some things that he hasn't talked about i mean he touched on some things that past kanye has never talked about obviously his his daughter is a brand new thing so talking about like he had a really sem- sentimental track about his daughter uh like the woes of his marriage and also his like mental health issues which i feel like that heavily contrasts with say you know, dark twisted fantasy or watch the throne Kanye where you have this lavish, lavish production. I'm tripping on for my words all the time. There's a lavish production and this kind of aesthetic and this mis- it's kind of like the mystique of Kanye has kind of rubbed off. Those albums were very, not very personal, not very intense. You never really got a, a sense of the inner Kanye. He was just kind of creating this like, I don't know, masterpiece, at least sonically, you know? And I think in the last couple albums, you know, you had with, you know, like Pablo and and Ye, the kind of mystique of Kanye has rubbed off. And I think we can start viewing him as like, like I said, a real person getting back to like the Kanye worship, you know, a real person with emotions, struggles, and, you know, ideas that are, often con conflicting and contradictory and you know it, it's clear he's just trying to figure it out like we all are it's how personal the album is is a high point as far as kanye albums um and i'm at this point i'm not judging kanye albums purely by lyrics and i don't think anyone should kanye has never been a lyrical g- genius um he's had ghostwriters in the past and 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 the genius in Kanye has always been his production and composition skills and his ability to bring in artists and bring the best out of them and knowing exactly what he wants out of them and placing them within the composition of a song or an album. Now, I'm not gonna I'm gonna say Ye had some of the same bad one liners and corny lyrics and basic rhymes that plagued to pimp a uh I was gonna say what? I almost said to pimp a butterfly. I'm really I meant to say the life of Pablo. I'm really all over the place tonight. The Life of Pablo. Um, the one line from Life of Pablo that really stands out to me was like the first line of the album where he's talking about bleach assholes. That was always really cringy. Um, but I do like it more. I think I like it more than Pablo. And when I reviewed, I did a review of, of Pablo on the uh, Hip Hop and Me Do It page and I had given it a 7 out of 10. I'm leaning to, I would say, eight yays and eight out of ten. Like I said, this is no by no means a detailed review of the album, but just my you know general thoughts about the album. Um, Pablo in general was just hard to review, and because he kept changing it after it came out. Overall, I thought the five albums was interesting conceptually. Um, I would say that Kitsy Ghost, the Kanye Kid Cudi record, was the best. Um, followed by Ye, and then the Push album, and then Tiana Taylor. And I, I hate to say it, but 
I have to put the Nas album last. Um, the only reason Tiana's low, that low is I'm not as huge an R&B fan, so that's more personal preference. Plus, I mean, the Push album's good, and yay. Cuddy. Um, coming from a Nas... And the, honestly, that's coming from a Nas fan. Um, I listened to it three times, and nothing really stuck out to me. Um, the one... Cop, Cop Shot the Kids, I like that, the Slick Rick sample. That was fire. I'm not saying it's bad. I just... Nothing really stuck out to me. I need to give it a bit, a couple more listens, but... I don't know. I feel like Nas doesn't have... Doesn't have much to really add to the current landscape of hip-hop. Um, it's the same way I felt about Jay-Z until 444 came out. You know, it's like, at that age, you know, what is, what's his inspiration? What's he have to write about? You know, Jay didn't really have anything substantially to write about until, um, you know, the what happened with you know the rockiness in his marriage and and all that and that made for an interesting like heartfelt sentimental album whereas you're looking at uh magna carta and he's just talking about the same old shit like the the like boring ass brag and shit it's like yeah we know you're married to beyonce we know you're wealthy we know you're a mogul like that gets old pretty quick but like i mean not to say that Nas didn't have like you know, he was on his political shit as well, but I don't know. It's just like, I need to listen to it again. I don't want to just fucking trash on Nas, you know, but I would say that Kidsy Ghost, I think this is what Cuddy needed to return to form was him sitting down with uh, Kanye and just being like, all right, let's work on an album together. Because like I said, Kanye can bring the best out of Cuddy, and at a certain point where Cuddy was feeling himself too much and trying to do all this weird shit, when he really should have people in his ear telling him, hey, maybe maybe try to do this, maybe try to do this, and, and uh, you know, someone where if, like, Kanye says that to him, he's going to listen. So um, I think the combination of Kanye and Cuddy, and it was really what he needed to do to get back to form. And I think it's the best thing he's done since man on the moon series, you know, second man on the moon, I would say in general, of course, I like the short albums, you know, seven songs is a little too short. It's almost like seven songs, 20 minutes. It's more of like a long EP, but, um, you know, in general, give me 30 to 60 minutes of good music. No filler. I'm pretty set. So, couldn't complain about that. Uh, there was another title, or there was another headline that when I was searching for news stories, there was one about um, Kanye doing a album with Chance. Um, so he said that they didn't really have a timeline on it, but he said he is going to have a seven-track album, which I'm really looking forward to because I just think of the collaborations they've done on both Chance's and Kanye's um, actually, no, the Chance, the one Chance's album was weird. It was like Kanye with like Cyborg Kanye times three. But um, no, uh, what's the name of that intro track? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Ultralight Beam. Ultralight Beam was fire. So like them on a seven track, track album could make some magic up for sure. Um they're supposedly working on it this month. They said they were going to be working on it in uh, July. So we'll see. We'll see. There's no set timeline, Chance had said, for the album to drop. So they might work on it, and it might be something that comes out years later. So you know how the rumors and, you know, we're working on this. And then, oh, it's finally out five years later. But um, he also said he's... So I know that a lot. Of, there was a lot of rumors about him and Gambino doing a collab album. Um, he said they actually have six tracks that are all fire. That they're like complete. Um, but he said the album's going to be more like fourteen songs. Is it going to be like a full length thing? So uh, I know people have been talking about that project for years. So it does exist. He did confirm that, and it's who knows when it'll come out. But there's tracks that are done for it. So. Um, he also dropped that EP. It was about, 
I don't know if it was an EP or four singles, because on Spotify it just dropped as individual singles, but people were saying it was an EP. Um, I liked it a lot of, you know, high energy, fun loving chants, which is what you're going to get, you know, most of the time. Either sentimental chants or high energy chants, fun chants. Um, I love the sample on the Might Need Security. It was like a kind of melodic fuck you throughout the whole song, which uh, I always like when people say, there's like a disconnect the cognitive dissonance is the word i'm looking for between like what's being said and how beautifully it's being said so you're saying something really raunchy or really abrasive but you're saying it singing it in a beautiful way i always find that interesting i always enjoy that those type of tracks um let's see another main topic i wanted to go all the way in on really really touch was this whole r kelly situation now <laughs> um i don't know if you guys saw but he put out a 19 minute song called i admit um which frankly i was like what what is he thinking um basically it's the trapped in the closets closet of songs but i mean trapped in the closet was technically a song i guess but um to be honest, I couldn't make it through all 19 minutes of the song, I, but I just looked up the lyrics because it was basically the same instrumental throughout. And uh, I don't know. It was this type of thing where it might have been better to put out a statement than try and put out a 19-minute song, but he basically admits to things that nobody were ask, was asking him to admit to um, and kind of throughout it just paints himself as a victim. And makes excuses for all the shady shit that he's he's done. Um, so I wanted to go through and just look at some of these lyrics and just break it down. Um, so he goes, "There's a there's a line where he's like comparing himself to Cosby. Uh, they're trying to lock me up like Cos like Bill." Uh, sorry, they're trying to like me up like Bill, but how much can an N-word take? How much can an N-word pray? I just want want to do my music, stop stressing me. Please just let me age gracefully. So, like I said, he's comparing himself to, to Bill and kind of defending Bill and saying Bill's innocent, he's innocent, which is like... Come on. Come on, dude. Um, so then he's dressing pedophilia. He's like, he says, I admit I fuck with all the ladies. That's both older and younger ladies. But tell me how they call it pedof pedophile because of that shit. That's crazy. Um, yeah, if you were just dating 18 or 19 year olds and being 50, a lot of people would view, as, view you as a creep. But the reason they view you as pedophile is there's multiple cases of you miss messing with underage girls. So just if you guys don't know his list of offenses, I went back and I did like looked for an article on the timeline of everything, all the shady shit he's done. And I figure I just read it off to you just to get a picture. So in 1994, he married Aaliyah when she was 15, which the parents later got annulled. Because she couldn't was under under the legal age to consent without her parents' consent, so they got that got an old. In 1995, Tiffy, Tiffany Hawkins sued him for having sex with her when he, she was 15. In 2001, he was sued again by Tracy Sampson for underage sex and emotional abuse. In 2002, a sex tape came out with him. For a 14 year old girl apparently there was two actually there was another sex tape before that apparently um in 2002 also patrice jones and montina woods sued him for sexual misconduct uh patrice jones said that they had sex 20 to 30 times before she was 17 he got her pregnant and then she fo he forced her to get an abortion uh and Motina Woods sued for sexual misconduct, saying that she, he recorded her without her consent and later sold it 
he didn't necessarily sell it, but if it came up in like a bootleg tape that got out there that was being sold. Uh, then that same year, he was arrested on child pornography charges based on the sex tape and other photos that were found. Um, but the charges were dropped because of a faulty warrant. Um, in 2008, he was acquitted from all those crimes because the victim, the original victim that was in the sex tape, didn't testify. Um, if you're wondering, that's where all the pee jokes come from because of him like peeing on because he made her, her drink his pee and and a bunch of other shit. Um, and then, of course, in this past year, we had the sex cult story break out. Um, where, you know, there's accusations of emotional abuse and manipulation, um, which basically it seems like with R. Kelly, the thing is that he does is he tells these young girls that he's going to make them stars and kind of uses that to control them emotionally, even if it's not physical abuse, a very like manipulative, just shitty, shitty behavior, not only with girls that are 18 and older but also um girls that are below 18 underage um so he also okay he also talks about being a he's like oh i'm just i admit i'm a broke legend he goes feel it's kind of like a guilt trip like oh feel bad for me he says um, said I had dys- dyslexia, couldn't read all of them contracts. Yeah, and now the truth in this message is I'm a broke-ass legend. The only reason I stay on tour is because I got to pay my rent. I never thought it would come to this to be the most disrespected artist. So I had to write a song about about this because they always take my words and twist it. So it's just like, oh, I admit that I was a... <laughs> I, I admit that I'm I can't read and... I'm a broke legend because I've been taken advantage of in the industry. It's like, you're not admitting anything. You're just copping out. You're like, I admit to all this, but I'm not going to admit to the things that we know you've done. Um, He goes on. He goes on. He kind of goes this like angle of like, oh, all these black men are like turning on me and not supporting me and and uh, he goes, I admit it, I love Steve Harvey, John Legend, and Tom Joyner. They're good in their lives right now. Why would they want to tear down another brother? Um, women show black men some love because um, black men, we go through enough. How can we get off the, get up off the ground when we steady tearing each other down? So um, he goes for the, the uh, black allegiance BS angle. Um, and personally, I can't, I can't believe there's still motherfuckers that are defending him. You know, it's same as like the people that are still defend Cosby. It's like 50 plus women came out and said that he assaulted them and raped them. Are you like, come on. Yes. One woman might lie, but 50, 50 plus women. How much does it take for you guys to be like, all right, well, he's probably a shitty person. Um, I don't know. I feel like we need to stop with like tribal blind allegiance. I mean, it's like similar to things, like I said, with Cosby and like even OJ. Like, I understand why OJ was so celebrated, the, him getting acquitted. But I think in retrospect, everyone knows he did it. He killed his wife. Uh, you know, obviously, in light of the Rodney King riots, uh, and, you know, it was a victory for black people across the country. Funny, if you watch the O.J. Simpson, like the, um, what is it? The, uh, it's on Netflix. It's the documentary series. John Travolta plays the one of the guys and... Yeah, so it's tracking the OJ case basically, and they show like the real life reactions of people to the verdict, and you see all the white people like, "What the fuck? Like, how this happen?" And the black people are like throwing a party. So it's like, you know, in light of that, I get it. But it's like, how, you know, I understand like, you know, with historical oppression, 
it creates tighter communities but you know like and like allegiance but people are individuals and we need to treat them as as such um like i don't know it's funny because like as a white person obviously i can only speak as a white person i couldn't imagine blindly standing behind a complete stranger because they're white because it, it, or even affiliating with a certain group or ideology because if they do one thing that I don't agree with I have to stand by it you know I'm not gonna you know especially with a total stranger you know it's like or even not even a total stranger like there's no white artist where I'm like I know 100% that they're an amazing person and no matter what comes out against them I will stand by them and I, I think there's a danger in this blind allegiance because like the bottom line is there's some shitty there's some shitty black people there's some shitty white people there's some shitty wit women there's like there's just shitty people that are gonna do shitty things so we need to cop, stop with this tribal shit and just like yes defend individuals assume that they're innocent until proven guilty but don't blindly pledge allegiance to them based on some arbitrary characteristics about them or anything. I don't know. Blind allegiance is a dangerous thing in general, I would say. Um, he goes on to being like, oh, he, he admits that he was raped as a child, which is like obviously not a good thing, but he, he goes, I, now I admit a family member touched me. And it's funny with R. Kelly's songs, he just like repeats in the echo it's like touch so he's like in in parentheses touch me touch me touch me from a child to the age of 14 yeah while i laid asleep took my virginity um so yeah it's obviously you know i'm not never going to celebrate that and it kind of explains some of the fuck up fucked up behavior that he's done but like it's really just a cop-out you know, obviously, it's like, he's like, I admit that I was raped. I'm not going to admit that I've done anything terrible to underage women, but I admit that I was raped. It's like, that's not something you should be ashamed of. The stuff you should be ashamed of is the stuff that you've done has passed that. Um, he goes on to deny the sex cold allegations and complain about Spotify and then he goes on to like the other cop out of like no one was watching when I was doing charity work I'm such a good guy look at me I've done such work for charity it's like even if you did great work for charity that doesn't mean that you haven't done shitty things and that you're a good person you know it's like such a cop out but <sighs> I mean it's some heavy shit but I'm surprised like Me Too hasn't like gotten him I mean like his obviously his career has been totally tarnished and he's been a joke forever but like like as far as the legal system like he literally had two sex tapes with underage girls and he still got off like if if if, if Me Too can get well then Me Too if Me Too can get Cosby I think Me Too can get Kelly for sure about time um let's see scott storch i have a couple other smaller stories i want to touch on i have a couple things that aren't as substantial i think i might skip i think i'll just do these last two stories so um i was watching a documentary on scott storch called still storch um, so for people that don't know, a story came out that Scott Storch, who famous producer, uh, he produced Candy Shop, Lean Back, he, he did the keys on Still Dre, Dr. Dre, Cry Me a River, like so many classics. Like he's known as like an amazing, uh, keyboardist and like his keys are very iconic. Um, he was actually the keyboardist for the Roots, um, and I think that's just so, especially in, in this era, I think it goes underappreciated because 
in this era, very few producers actually play real instruments. So I, I think, uh, you know, not that I'm bashing that at all, because it is, it is what it is, but I think it is, it's super cool when, you know, most producers are still just doing Ableton and Fruity Loop stuff, and you have, you know, a legend that can actually really play the keys. But, um, like I said, he used to be actually a member of The Roots early on, um, the keyboardist for The Roots. But basically... He made he made like close to a hundred million dollars in his career, and he had a cocaine addiction and basically he lost it all. Um, and this kind of documentary was just documenting that and like, kind of like his rise back to back to stardom because um, I think that recently he's been working with some other you know bigger artists. Chris Brown, French Montana, Asap Ferg, A Boogie, Kyle, uh, Sway Lee. Like, he's going to be okay. That's the thing about being a broke Scott Storch. You're still Scott Storch. Like, you still have skills and things that people want. You know, as opposed to if you had, like, say, some artists that have their flash in the pan moment. And they have their 15 minutes of fame and they capitalize it on it right away. If you got a lot of money and then you had addiction and it was completely blown. People, people don't imagine if like say Trinidad James lost all his money. He won't now because he's got that royalty check coming in all the time. But like I say, hypothetically say he had like an addiction, lost all his money and tried to come back. It's like, no one care. No one wants to pay for a Trinidad James feature in 2018. Like, where the Scott Storch is like, those iconic keys. Like, people are still gonna. He'll be alright. But I think like he has a chip on his shoulder now, and he wants to prove like he can get back to the top. Which, honestly, you know, I'm rooting for him. So, Scott Storch, if you see this, Toasty's to- Toasty's rooting for you. Um, last final story, Freddie Gibbs, um, he has said that Bandana, which is his highly anticipated second album with Mad Lib is finished, but he's not ready to put it out. So I actually have, can, oop, drop send. Don't want to drop you send. So we got Pinata in the background. Now this this album was the reason I got into Freddie Gibbs, so it's some dirt on here. So it's Freddie Gibbs and Madlib, classic producer. Madlib is known for doing full length projects with artists, and to me, before I heard Pinata, Freddie Gibbs didn't really stand out to me as as an artist. I think you know when you hear an artist and you can't even say like it's bad, you're just like. Nothing really grabs me about this artist. You know, he made, like, gangster rap, and it was like, this is pretty good gangster rap, but it's nothing that, like, makes me want to go back to it and listen to it. Then this album dropped, and, like, Mad Lib Productions like, all right, I should check out this album, and, like, fully delved into it and gave it, gave it proper time, and I was like, wow, Freddie Gibbs is fire. And then Shadow of a Doubt came out, which is not produced by Madlib, but is also fire. So I was like, all right, it wasn't just him on Madlib production. He's actually super fire. Um, he, in regards to Bandana, which I'm really looking forward to it. He said he's holding on to it um, because basically he thinks it might be his last project, and he wasn't ready to be done. Which I, honestly, if he drops Bandana as his last project, that'll be a fitting end to his career. What, not that I want his career to be over right now, but um, just because there's so many artists that they kind of putter out, putter is not the word, I, they kind of peter out, you know, they reach their peak and then they keep making music and it kind of, you know, affects their legacy. Whereas if, if Freddie drops Bandana as his last project, that'll solidify him as an artist um 
But yeah, he didn't put it out. Instead, he dropped that surprise Freddy, like, self-released, or self, not self-released, self-titled mixtape, which shout out to Tony Seltzer. He actually has production on that. I want to play that song that he, it's like, I think it's Alao, Tony Seltzer, and Harry Fraud all in the production um, of track, I don't know the name, but it's track nine on the album. I want to send off the show with that, so shout out to t- Tony for getting that production on that, because uh, it's dope to see him working with one of my favorite artists. Um, yeah, but yeah, honestly, I'd be happy if he held on to that bandana for a little longer, maybe put, put down another project or two, but either way, Freddie, you're going to do what you do, so um, that seems like a fitting end to the podcast put out that number no one gave it called in but it is what it is hopefully we'll do some live podcasts soon live podcasts coming very soon very very soon don't you fret without further ado i will keep on stalling until i have this freddie gibbs track ready to go You can always, like I said, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Hip Hop Made Me Do underscore. We're also on Facebook, SoundCloud, MixCloud. Just Hip Hop Made Me Do It. And um, I'm going to send this off with FBC by Freddie Gibbs, produced by none other than A Lau, Harry Fraud, and Tony Seltzer. Say toasty, my friends. Until next time. Bitch hit me when I was on the way to this motherfucker. She's like, bitch. Meet me, me at the mall. I'm like, shit. Bitch, you wear, bitch? Yeah. bitch, what you gonna buy me? You know what I'm saying? Oh, kidding. Yeah. Fendi bubble coat.